Catch Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast host Jeff Key at this year's NCPA annual convention. If you're interested in keeping the doors of your pharmacy open, don't miss the second general session and Jeff Key talk about the five ways to run your pharmacy out of business. Happy birthday to Pioneer RX. Join us Sunday from 2 to 4, booth 313, in celebrating 15 years and toast with us. What does a pharmacist do? Well, most people might answer that a pharmacist dispenses the medications that my doctor prescribes. Now, I work with a ton of great pharmacists, and one thing that I don't generally see is excitement about pills in a vial. And this is probably because pharmacists have been trained to do so much more. So what can you get excited about in your community? To find out, let's go beyond the scripts. So Amita and uh, the Avant team has, has really kind of built out a lot of trial and error over the years and working with physicians. And that uh, a lot of that, I'm sure you're able to share directly, you know, through personal experience with CPESN Network. Um, also want to talk a little bit about what you guys do uh, just in collaboration with other pharmacies at Avant, at Avant. because you guys, um, again, you know, so many, so many times we see that, you know, independent pharmacies have that service mindset and that service to industry and others uh, within the profession, even, you know, a, a competing drugstore down the road, there, there's still this kind of camaraderie. Um, so I love what the Avant Institute has done for uh, just the profession and, and you know, other, other pharmacies by sharing uh, so much of what you guys have learned along the way. No, that, that's, that's, you said that very eloquently, actually. I think when we look at, you know, um, our industry as a whole, right? Yes, there's going to be challenges where you do have your competing interests with other mom and pop or mother, other small pharmacies or other independent pharmacies or large pharmacies that are in the area, right? The comp, the, 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 the business is what the business is. But at the end of the day, you're absolutely right. There is a camaraderie to help support your fellow independent community pharmacy. So what I love about the Yvonne Institute, I remember when I came on board and I learned about the Yvonne Institute and I kept asking me and I said, I was like, well, how did this brainchild really come to be? Because I was I was just so confused. I'm like, you're an independent pharmacy owner, and now you're going out and you're teaching other pharmacies how to do this. And the way that it was described to me was not only did it come out of Olivia Bentley, who was with uh, with us for the longest time, and now she's uh, you know she's actually doing some really great things in in serving as executive director for one of the medical practice. But she's also, you know, engaged in the pharmacy space and a lot of the things that we're doing here. And it was that continued engagement that they both had that they realized we've got to create a pathway <laughs> for which people can get a hold of us that we can formally teach and train folks. Because this this one off phone call at midnight with, <laughs> you know, inter pharmacy owner here or this pharmacist that heard about a program or heard a podcast or whatever it is, it became too much. And then people were coming to the pharmacy saying, hey. I want to learn how you guys do this. And the pharmacy's like, we've got scripts to fill. We've got patients coming through the oh, door. Gosh. So I bet every every podcast, I bet Amina's uh, uh, LinkedIn just blows up. <laughs> probably so, yeah. So really, the Institute was born out of that passion to to educate and train other pharmacists, but out of necessity as well, too. And I really think that I we joke all the time because we thought this 
the small little just kind of side project idea that was going to be something fun to do that we were going to get to connect with other pharmacies has really turned into this truly uh, remarkable educational institution that that has been created. And the team that we have there, it is one of my most exciting parts of my job is being able to be a part of the Avant Institute and the work that we're doing there. You know, it started, Will, like you mentioned, it started with just teaching and training independent community pharmacies and, and then pharmacy owners and then pharmacists and then clinical pharmacists and then anybody that really wanted to come. We've had all walks of life. We've had nurse practitioners come through and go through the training programs of what we call the ALLI, the Advanced Lear Learning Immersion Experience. And so that three-day course was kind of the bread and butter of what um, the Institute was offering. But we've, as you, you've probably heard and you've seen, we've expanded what we've done tremendously to now having online courses to we just had our first the business of, of, of collaborative care symposium where we had so many folks come in, previous alumni of our program and stuff come in. So it's been really exciting to see that growth. I'll be honest, probably one of the most exciting things to me is this two parts. One, we saw the need to educate and train pharmacists at a younger phase of the, their career that we could kind of get them to be exploratory with us, right? Those pharmacists that are coming out of pharmacy school, it's great to kind of have a clean slate a lot of times. They don't know what they don't yeah. know. So you can kind of <laughs> get them in and learn and, and see. And then that's really where, you know, we want to see the profession growing. And a lot, it's not, this stuff isn't taught in pharmacy school, right? So we saw that need, and so we had collaborated with other entities before and having residency programs and fellowship programs and things like that with an institution. And they were great. We, we have great relationships with them, and, and that was good. But because we're such a complex entity and because we just don't, we're not good at fitting in a box. We're not good <laughs> at being in a box. And so we needed more flexibility to what we needed to do, and that actually yeah. was what became the birth of the fellowship program that we have. And so we have the fellowship program now. Um, we're in technically, I would say, our third year of the program or fourth year, if you include um, the initial year where we were kind of piloting this with an institution and bringing that together to say, hey, um, this is where we're at. This is the opportunities. And what's been exciting is last year and this year, we went from being an internal program where we had fellows just come and work with our clinic sites and practice sites that we had here in Charlotte. We expanded it nationwide. And so we've had collaborating pharmacies, whether we've taught or trained them in the alley or they've you know heard a podcast or been to a training or they're engaging in these services and they need that support. Um, they're the ones that now they, they have a fellow. So we've expanded it to both um, internal and external fellowship sites. And man, well, that has been one of the coolest things to see. And one of the coolest things I think we've done at the Institute is engaging folks in that way and, and really kind of shining, little, shining the light for other pharmacies to be able to engage in, in these service sets and to engage in this capacity. Because at the end of the day, again, Avant, we're just one entity. We cannot be the only one doing these things because if we are, yeah, it's great and it's novel and and yeah, we're helping ourselves locally and and we're we're good. We're doing what we're doing. We're good. But if we're going to get to payers, if we're going to get people to see that pharmacy is making an impact, 
we can't be an N of one. We need to be an N of 100, 300, 500, 1,000, right? And that's where I think really CPSN and the value that CPSN brings is it helps shed a light on what are the things that our independent pharmacies are doing to then help us get to payers, right? Help us get to those local payers statewide and then other bigger payer opportunities to do that. And so I love what the Institute has done to offer these training modalities and, and, you know, both what we've done previously and what we're doing now. The other exciting thing I think that's been really kind of, it's like, you just kind of have those like, aha, oh crap, I can't believe that, you know, we're doing this is, um, about a year and a half ago, we were connected with um, a group called DAC. They're the Davos Alzheimer's Collaborative. And um, with our partners at Cogniview, we were actually able to collaborate to write a grant to support a project where we actually did screenings for early detections of Alzheimer's and dementia. And so the idea was how do we engage with our partners in Cogniview to get their Cognive, uh, Cognivue screenings, uh, screening machines um, into pharmacies to screen patients. And that was kind of the gist of the, the grant to see what the opportunities were. We, you know, we're little independent community pharmacy with a little independent educational arm here. We really didn't see that this was going to be something that was going to necessarily develop and grow because uh, we had folks like the Cleveland Clinic, Aurora Health, all these big entities. And this was a global initiative. So there are other other collaborators that were applying for this grant across the globe. Well, lo and behold, we were selected as one of 12 uh, sites to participate. Our grant was selected as one of 12 sites to participate. So, you know, wow. it's just so cool to see that these things are happening. And you're like, like how did this happen? How is this? How, how are we getting these opportunities to do this? And it's been one of the coolest experiences. And so that has allowed us to say, okay, you know, this was really cool. It was our first foray into that opportunity. How can we continue to develop and grow that? Because there are there is funding out there. There are opportunities out there to really elevate the level of care that we can provide our patients. So how can we kind of get more involved in these different things? And so that's something that also the Institute is looking at as well is, what are the other ways to collaborate? And that's been the core of this company. That's been the core of our people. It's part of our culture is kind of what I'm getting at is we truly believe in collaboration, whether it's provider collaboration, patient collaboration, pharmacist collaboration, right? And it's not just with us. Like we have our team, we have a great culture, a great environment of the things that we do. And it's exciting. Our team is amazing. They do amazing stuff day in and day out. Um, And yeah, we're not your traditional independent community pharmacy, but at the core of what we do, it's collaboration and it's, it's really working with other folks to elevate the level of care that we're providing to our patients at the end of the day. Yeah. So again, a lot of that translates over to the CPESN group and being able to show, you know, that that impact and and that unity across a clinically integrated network. And that's really impressive to payers to see that standardized and and to see that collaboration and 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 network that, okay, this is something that we can invest in. You know, I remember a couple of years ago just being so excited to see the possibilities with like Marixa and outcomes where payers are looking to spend money 
where they can move the needle with independent pharmacies. Um, and so, you know, I, I think at this point, hopefully everybody's familiar with CPESN. If you are not, uh, strongly recommend you go to the website, check out the local networks and reach out, get in touch with somebody in your state. Um, but something that I think uh, everyone not may, may not be aware of is uh, all of the work that you guys are doing with special purpose networks. And you kind of mentioned a couple of those. You mentioned the Big Tree, uh, the Health Equity. Uh, there's the Emergent. Uh, you guys have a, a couple of these going on. So tell me a little bit about what those special purpose networks are, what's coming down the pipeline in those. Yeah, no, great, great question. And so I, and I'll echo real quick kind of what you were saying. I think the, the thing with CPSN and when folks are looking at it, right, it's kind of where where is the value? And I'll be honest, when I first came on board, I didn't understand CPSN. It was this kind of ethereal concept to me of like, wait, what, what is it that they're trying to do? They're trying to aggregate people like it, it. Initially, you're just kind of like, wait, what's where? What's the opportunity? What's the value? Yeah. But as you get into you know, value-based care. And as you get into um, understanding where payers are going for solutions, right? Again, if you're just one independent pharmacy that's approaching a payer, right? Yeah, they'll like the concept or whatever, but what's the impact to that, right? It's the number of patients that are in your <laughs> pioneer system, right? It's it's the number of patients sure, that are in sure. your system, right? Like, it's like, okay, well... Uh, to a payer that's okay that may be great and it might be a nice little side project right but how are they going to get the biggest impact with the financials that they're trying to invest in right that's that's really what to me it comes down to so what cpsn does and looking to aggregate our entities and show that there's a standard with which pharmacies that are a part of our network have to meet these particular standards and that we can deliver success across the board with what we're doing with x number of patients the conversation becomes very different. So I myself, look, I, I'm not the brightest crayon in the box by any means, but when I have those aha moments, they are great. And so me having that aha moment with CPSN was really kind of where I, I really felt we needed to continue to engage and, and evolve the things that we're doing. And I think that's what's exciting with what CPSN is doing is they're evolving the service and the level of support that they can provide pharmacies with these SPNs, the special purpose network. So there are kind of two entities, there's special purpose networks, and then there's kind of special purpose efforts, right? And so there are service sets that they're offering that I think pharmacies can engage in that can help even just their business right away with um, like CPSN, it's called like business intelligence. And there are analytics that that entity can help support and the community far, independent community pharmacies on what what's what's happening with their uh, business analytics that I think is very valuable and it's something that like the insights that I think you get are very meaningful there. But the special purpose networks, when we started, we were kind of in that core group of special purpose networks that they were bringing on board. And essentially, what a special purpose network is is it's an opportunity, it's a program, it's a a, a business model or something. It's an opportunity where the CPSN pharmacies can affiliate with that network and begin engaging in those service sets. It doesn't require that a payer necessarily be there to develop a business model around. Now, ours is because we're using Medicare as kind of the base, if you will. But so, for example, CPSN Health Equity, they're looking to educate and train on 
um, getting community health workers across pharmacies and whether it's locally or across the nation and being able to then aggregate that community health worker group to then go to payers to say, hey, we have this network of community health workers to deliver on X, Y, and Z. So the opportunities are there because the payers are looking for it. How do we solve X, Y, and Z problem, right? And I think a lot of these payers, they're trying to create pathways through primary care and other entities that don't have the capacity. And they're not looking at a network that already exists. They're not looking at independent community pharmacies as a solution because they're looking at us dispensing. They're looking at us counting by five still. So this is, I think, the a, a very big transformational change where when we're engaging in these models, when we're engaging in these special purpose networks, there's a different discussion that can now be had because not only are we engaging, we're actually leveraging this. We're doing stuff. We're uh, collecting data. We're collecting um, outcomes, right? We're, we're, we're getting to where we're providing results that can then have a different conversation with the payers. And it's not just an ethereal, ethereal, we're working on it or we're piloting it or whatever. It's no, Hey, these are actions that are happening. These are things that are happening yeah. in the community pharmacy. So health equity is one, um, CPSN big tree is another special purpose network that, um, if you are a community pharmacy, and you, you know, independent community pharmacy, and you are um, looking to engage with your patients. Maybe you have a patient population that you see maybe either low socioeconomic, and they really don't have insurance, um, or they're they're wanting to pay cash for their services. So DPC is not a new model, but being able to bring it into an independent community pharmacy that is a relatively newer concept. And so that's what Big Tree does is they. Um, you know, basically have a system that they've built. And, and so uh, uh, Adam, Dr. Adam Wheeler is kind of the, the head of that program. And him and his team, they will embed a DPC practice in a, a CPSN independent community pharmacy. And so now you have a nurse practitioner who can see patients and they have a whole model and scale built out to, you know, what needs to happen, what you need to do and the revenue model and rev share that's there to do that. And so, and they have it to where they've designed the model both in states where you can uh, own your uh, pr practice and in states where you technically can't own a practice if you're a, oh, nice. a, if you're a, 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 a pharmacy owner. So like in North Carolina, right, we can't own a medical practice, right? But we can collaborate in a way that we can then have that practice as part of our entity, right? And so- uh, so Ashley Moose actually just uh, she just opened up the Big Tree Medical Practice in Moose Pharmacy at their location there in, in Mount Pleasant. So she's she's kind of really leading the way here in North Carolina for that. So I'm, I'm super excited. I'm super jealous of what she's doing, but I'm super excited that she's engaging in that model. And so and then, of course, I mentioned what we're doing with PPC at home. So those were kind of the initial um, SPNs that were on board. Uh, recently there was, um, LTC at home. So long-term care at home has been added. Um, there are a couple of others that are coming down the pipeline that are focusing on, um, other opportunities, um, for independent community pharmacies to engage in. Um, yeah. I think there's one that's focusing on medical billing opportunities, um, that is, um, uh, getting ready to kind of come together here shortly. Uh, so what I would tell everyone, if you're listening in on this podcast, is if you're coming to NCPA, uh, all of the special purpose networks and special purpose efforts will be there. We will all be there. 
Um, we're we're actually being very fortunate for the relationship we have with NCPA. Um, there's going to be um, we're going to be on the show floor. We're going to be actually doing um, a lot of presentations by a lot of our members. Um, I think there's some showcases that are happening. Um, so I would tell anyone if any of this sounds interesting or exciting to you, or you want to learn more, or you just want to communicate around the opportunities that there are, please, please, please come visit us because this I think this NCPA show. I'm actually really excited because there's a lot of cool things that we're trying to get out there that we're trying to showcase what we could do, what the opportunities are for independent community pharmacies to not only just survive, but thrive, right? We, we need to yeah. get from where we're surviving to thriving. And I know there's a lot coming up. A lot of folks are concerned about quarter one and the double DIR that may be hitting and what are things that are doing. So these are, that's why I'm excited about CPSN because it's not just a, hey, we're waiting for X, Y, and Z to happen. No, these are actionable items that you can engage in today that can generate revenue for you right now, right? We're not waiting on something to happen. We're building an infrastructure. We're building an ecosystem within these community pharmacies, right? Kind of going back to what I said before, how do we keep our patients in our own healthcare ecosystem? How do we not let them escape to these other things? We have to continue yeah. to innovate. We have to continue to um, be creative. We have to continue to offer services that our competitors are getting into or getting ready to offer. And we have to be creative in how we do that. And we have to think outside the box. So, And so most, most states have their own uh, CPESN network currently, right? But then even if your state doesn't have one, there's still CPESN uh, national. Yeah. And then if you're in if you're in a state that doesn't have a CPSN network, one definitely reach out to them because we're always continuing to wanting to grow and expand the opportunities there. Um, you know, and that that uh, Ashley and her team and what they do and and what CPSN USA does, um, and so they're always looking to grow and educate on on those fronts. Um, but I would also say there are other states locally that you can be a part of to to get that support to be a part of that network. So a neighboring state, for example, might be a network that you consider joining um, to help engage in in the CPSN um, network as a whole. So Yeah, so go to the website, look at the network map. You can find uh, the Luminary contact so you can reach out. Definitely recommend everybody checks that out. Uh, we're coming up on time. Before I let you go, though, there has been so many interesting headlines recently. Um, this week has been a mess <laughs> in the world of pharmacy. Um, so this week we had 12 Kansas City uh, CVS locations close. Um, we had uh, CVS announce that they're uh, going to close 900 locations by 2024. So 10% reduction. Rite Aid uh, is closing four to five hundred uh, in their bankruptcy. Uh, Walgreens is uh, looking at closing about one fifty. Um, a lot going on. A lot going on in the grocery store markets as well, with uh, Aldi and Winn Dixie and Kroger and um, Albertsons. Uh, it is a really crazy time. Across retail too. I mean, so if you leave the world of pharmacy and just look at retail, so many crazy closings and headlines in major cities, but and pharmacy specifically, um, there is a lot going on right now 
so you I, personally, I, I think if I were playing, you know, all sides of the industry, I would make sure my stores are staffed. <laughs> it seems like the, from a strategic standpoint, <laughs> I'm not sure where you want to weigh in on that. But I mean, with so much going on, where where do you see um, where where do you see opportunities for independent pharmacies to fill those gaps and to, um, you know, really keep things moving and 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 keep those patients um, served as there's complete chaos in, in pharmacy right now. <laughs> it is. And I think, so this is like the million dollar question, right? I think a lot of pharmacies, okay, they see that the local CVS just closed, right? And you say, okay, so, you know, all of those patients are going to be looking for a new home, right? And so what are the other opportunities in, in that community that can help support them, right? So the immediate thought process is, oh, let's let's jump on the bag bandwagon. Let's try to, you know, market, even though we're the worst marketers on the face of the planet, but let's market <laughs> ourselves, right, to, to get the, those patients to come by. And they probably already know that you're in the community and you exist and whatever. But then the challenge becomes, okay, we're adding this volume. Can we manage it? Do we have the resources? Do we support it? And then are we actually generating revenue from the patients that are coming on board because of what's happening, right? And so for the bigger entities, right, the retail entities that are closing down, I mean, yeah, it's really unfortunate for those patients. But if you look at the conglomerate ecosystem as a whole, right, it doesn't really affect them that much, right? It's not, it's, they're, they're not going to bed at night saying, oh, woe is me. We just closed 900 stores. They're just looking to see how do we reinvest so that we can acquire these patients in other ways, right? Now, in pharmacy, we kind of have to look at that in, in a similar light as, okay, there's a pool of patients. It's a race to acquisition of lives, as I said before. So how do we do that? How do you do it strategically? How do you do it so that you can continue to not only just um, you know, strain your staffs as strained as they already are, but how can you engage in them? And I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about if you're acquiring patients, how do you optimize that patient, right? So when you're looking, obviously, you know that these pa these patients were at CVS, right? You know what insurances that they have or, you know, whatever, whatever pharmacy that they're at. You kind of know what insurances that they have. They're most of them were probably driven to go that way, do the sure. mail order thing with them and all. It's like you kind of have an idea. So if you're that pharmacy, what happens when you're acquiring? I don't think it's as simple as just, hey, we're going to take all these patients and we're going to help them. You have to be very strategic about how you do it. I do completely agree uh, about the concept of, yeah, and you got to figure out how to successfully staff your pharmacies to be able to manage that patient load. But it goes back to what we were talking about before. Yeah, you're staffing your patients, but are you, are, I mean, you're staffing your pharmacy to take care of those patients, but are you staffing them at a loss, right? Are you staffing them for a hundred scripts that you're losing on, right? So the game has changed for us entirely that it, uh, sadly, it's not just as easy as flipping the flipping light switch on and letting everybody in. And so I think we you have to be strategic. Now, that being said, we've spent the last 45 minutes talking about all these other wealth of opportunities to engage patients on that, you know, you're the patient's not tied to a script anymore, right? Hmm. Like like this podcast says, how are you going beyond the script to now bring those patients in? So if I'm if I'm an independent community pharmacy owner and I see that these pharmacies are closing down, 
what am I doing or what have I done that's going to entail entice that patient to not only come and get their prescriptions from us, but even if I'm filling them at a loss, am I doing other things? Uh, do I have a broader OTC section that's now supporting that patient base? Do I have a wellness program where I can do diabetes education or other things with them? Am I doing other things to now support those patients that when they come in, the totality of that patient's care isn't just the value, if you will, the the financial value isn't just tied to a script. It's tied to a script and the wealth of service opportunities that I that I can engage in, right? Can I ensure that I have the resources, the support, the staff to make sure they get their flu shot, right? I just recently did a um, uh, a CE around um, the upcoming potential triple-demic, right? COVID, RSV, flu, right? This is the first time in our era history here that we've had vaccines for all three, right? So yeah. are we optimizing on that, right? And and COVID, everybody knows that it's new COVID vaccine formulations that are coming out to address the new variants that are out there. And even here in the Southeast, COVID's actually on the rise. So um, I myself am like anxious to get my COVID vaccine because, you know, COVID, COVID's on the rise here. But I have two patient, two parents that are over the age of 65 that are that have multiple comorbid conditions. I'm anxious for them to get the RSV vaccine, right? And on top of that, making sure they get their flu shot. So with these opportunities, and I know I'm focusing in on just vaccines right now, but that's one of many service sets, right? So when you're looking at a patient, you know, are, are we just looking at their script volume? Oh, Mrs. Smith from CVS now has 20 scripts that we can bring in. Okay, well, 20 scripts is great, but... 17 of those 20 scripts we're losing on, right? So Right, right. That's why they were at CVS. Uh, yeah. yeah, you got to now look <laughs> at the economics differently in what you're doing. So I, I, you know, I don't think this is going to change. I think that there is there is a culture shift happening in pharmacy as well, too, where I think that, you know, a lot of light has been shed um, with local boards of pharmacy around workplace conditions and the challenges that are happening there. I think tremendous light is being shed. I think you sent me that article yesterday with the oversight committee on PBMs and what's happening there. There's more spotlight on PBM reform and what's happening. I've heard more in the last two years since Rutledge versus PCMA and what's happening there, what happened there in the PBM reform and, and what's happening. And, and so people are becoming more and more aware. Now, the sad part is it's not happening fast enough for it to impact making sure that independent community pharmacies don't close their doors. But how do we do the other things? How do we engage in other pieces that the business model isn't just based on prescriptions, right? They're not based on a product. And so that's where I feel like in the communities, we have to deliver care locally. We have to be able to be not just a pharmacy, like a dispensing hub, we have to be a healthcare hub. We have to be a yeah. center of healthcare excellence for these patients. So we have to engage in a multitude of ways to care for these patients. And, you know, when you look at it across the board, a lot of these patients are looking for support. They're looking for opportunity. We just haven't had the time to, to ask them. We're, 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 we're asking them so many other things. We're addressing their medication needs. But uh, and what's cool about the program that I mentioned earlier, Will, with um, with Health Game Plan and PPC at Home, um, I was introduced to a concept called the four M's. And it's a it's a model 
with which when we're working with the this patient population, we're looking at, at four things, um, mobility, uh, medication, mentation, or their functional capacity. And the last M is, uh, is a trick. It's called, it's uh, what matters, right? So what matters to the patient? So many times we've got these patients coming in and, you know, you have small talk and you're talking with them and you jump right into your consultation points to ensure they have what they need and whatever. Are we asking these patients or are we addressing what matters to these patients? And I think that right there is the greatest opportunity for independent community pharmacies. If we can address what matters to that patient, what are their challenges? What are their barriers? What are the social determinants of health that they're experiencing? It doesn't matter what the other entities are doing, whether they're closing down or doing whatever. That patient becomes a patient for life because you're addressing things that really nobody else in the healthcare ecosystem has. Yeah, what's a what's a win for that patient? If you can tap into an individual patient's value system, uh, yeah, there you go. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, you know, it's a simple concept. The model is a simple concept, but when you start to practice it, right, it's just like, it's like, a, you know, when, when the doctor tells you to go exercise, yeah, you hear, okay, yeah, I need to go. I probably should walk a few thousand steps today, or I need to get on elliptical or whatever. We hear it, but where independent community pharmacies can really thrive and why I'm really excited about not only just the offerings of CPSN, but what we're doing at, you know, at Avon and PPC at home is that we're able to engage patients in ways that they need to be held accountable, right? They're looking for accountability. They're looking for that support, right? And they go to primary care thinking they're going to get that, but primary care is just so busy. There's too many patients for them to do that. So unless they're in a particular program or in a particular plan, they're not getting that regular follow-up. And we all know, all independent pharmacies know the statistics, right? You're seeing that primary care doc two to three, maybe four times a year. You're in your pharmacy eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 times a month. A yeah. year, you know, just the touch points that can happen. So how do we capitalize on that, right? How do we engage? And now how do we d utilize the resources that we have, right? Leveraging technology, leveraging um, what COVID has kind of done, right? And, and patients are used to actually having care at home, right? They couldn't get to hospitals. They couldn't. So where did they turn to? They couldn't get to the hospital. They came to their local pharmacy or we were delivering to their homes. We were giving vaccines in their homes and whatever it might be. We were creating clinic opportunities for them to do these things. So that to me is the opportunity for pharmacies is, yeah, it is it is unfortunate that these pharmacies are shutting down. And I do feel bad for the pharmacists and the staff that are a part of these entities, right? Yeah, of but, course. You know, where one door closes, another one should open. And it's not like there aren't other opportunities on the horizon as I mean, we spent the last 50 minutes now talking about all of these other things. So I would hope that, you know, there are opportunities for those pharmacies to look to see how to engage in these different things. And I would probably imagine that a lot of independent community pharmacies are looking for help, right? We're, we're yeah, with that influx of patients. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> you know, you're looking yeah. for help. So why not? Um, you know, reach out and see who are the folks that fit your culture, that fit the environment that you've built and can help support you in that way. And I think that, um, yeah, it is unfortunate that these things are happening. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that. Unfortunately, I think that the um, kind of the business model and the infrastructure for these bigger entities um, is probably going to lend to that. But 
if I'm an independent community pharmacy owner, how do I now prepare my pharmacy to be ready for yeah. these challenges and for this influx that's potentially there? Well, it's a, also a great opportunity to prepare those patients that when when one of those new patients is coming into your pharmacy to kind of reframe what pharmacy does and, and reset expectations for those new patients uh, so that when you do offer those services, they're expecting that you you do things differently than the last pharmacy they were at because you've started those conversations early. You've started to retrain that patient that our relationship is going to be different and better and, and we're going to help you uh, with a lot more than just your prescriptions. Yeah. And that's, I think that's the interesting thing for a lot of the um, community pharmacists that are in retail. They are, they, they're, they crave that. They've been wanting to do that. I, I I was in retail previously, so I I understand the challenges and frustrations that the pharmacists and the staff are having with with the current climate and the current model that they're working in. And it is a struggle a lot of times because these patients do need an an, an extra layer of care. They need that support, right? I was talking about it before, where you know, again, it's that twenty percent that are really high risk that are causing a lot of creating a lot of the challenges that are being rehospitalized right imagine if they're going to their community pharmacy and they had that extra level of care right and i think that's where i think there is a concern for independent community pharmacies from the perspective of why is it that the retail entities are getting into primary care why is it that they're looking at home health it's only a matter of time before they shift into the service sets that we're advocating for and encouraging pharmacies to be a part of because now, right, they can engage those patients in a way that their patients are now in their ecosystem and they're not going anywhere else. All right. So if you're watching at home, make sure that you're keeping those patients engaged in your pharmacy and your network and uh, grow your network with uh partners that can help you. So reach out to CPSN, uh, reach out to SWAT and uh, the Avant Institute. Uh, we'll make sure we put some of those links down in the show notes. Uh, looking forward to seeing you at NCPA. Uh, all, always good to see you. I always look for you across the show floor. Uh, where's that where, Where's that warm, familiar smile at? I'm going to go <laughs> go shake hands and see the CPESN crew. So uh, I I'm going to let you get back to it, man. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, not a problem. Thanks for the opportunity to be on. You know, it's always a, always an honor and a privilege when you get asked to do these things, but it's always exciting to, you know, be with a peer and a colleague to talk about all the great stuff. And thanks for all the hard work you guys are doing at Pioneer and, and all the innovation that you guys come up with. I know. I know our team keeps y'all on your toes because we always have a lot of math, <laughs> uh, but that's because we love pushing the envelope and it's great to have a collaborator like you guys that allows us to push the envelope with the things that we're doing. So thank you guys for all of that and everything you do as well. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond the Scripts presented by the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please support our channel by liking, subscribing, and clicking the notification bell so that you'll be notified anytime we post new content. To stay up to date with all of the latest independent pharmacy news and content, follow Pioneer RX on your preferred social media platform.